With Hashem's assistance, we're learning about Bakama Daf Page 84. We begin on the bottom of Page Gimel Lama page 83b. Tanya, we have a brayz. Rabbi Dustoi ben Yehuda Omer. Rabbi Dustoi ben Yehuda says, "Ayin tachas ayin." The verse says that you have to replace an eye for an eye. If one person damages another person's eye, so the eye has to be replaced. What does that mean? Maman. It means that you have to replace the value of the eye. Ata Omer Maman. You say this means that you have to replace it with value. Oy ena ela ayin mamish. Maybe it means that if one person knocks out another person's eye. So you have to knock out his eye. Amris, we say like this. Let's say the person whose eye got knocked out had a big eye. And the person who did the knocking out, he had a little eye. So how can I say that I replaced this eye with this eye? They don't have the same size. The eyes are not the same. So the punishment doesn't equal the crime. We don't have mida connected mida. A measure for a measure. And you want to say that in such a case, indeed you would pay money, but if, if the eyes are the same size, then you would knock out an eye. So the Torah says that one law shall be for you. What does this teach you? This teaches that we have a uniform law for everyone. We don't make distinctions if people have big eyes, little eyes, it's all the same, you always pay the value. Amri, we say like this. My kusha. What's your question exactly? What's your proof? Maybe it nothing to do with the eyes when we say that you have to replace this eye. You have to take out his eye because he took out that guy's eye. It's nothing to do with the size of the eye. It has to do with vision. You took away this person's vision. We're going to take away your vision. Nothing to do with the size. Because if you don't say this, if you have, let's say, a midget who kills a giant, you have a giant who kills as a midget how can we kill the one who, who killed a different person, different sized person? The Torah says that you have to have the same law. We have to have a uniform law. We have to be uniform with all people. So what's the indication here? That if you take away this guy's soul, if you kill him, so you will have your soul taken away. It doesn't matter how big your body is, that's irrelevant. Over here as well. So if one person takes away another person's vision, so we're going to have to take away his vision. So this is not a good proof that when we talk about an eye for an eye, that it means value. It doesn't mean that you actually have to take away the eye itself. Tanya Eidach, we have another Bryce trying to prove this point that when we say an eye for an eye, it doesn't mean literally, but rather it means money. Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai says when it says in the verse an eye for an eye, it means value. It doesn't mean the actual eye itself. You say that it means value. Maybe it means the eye itself. Amri, so we say like this. Let's say you have a person who's blind and he blinds someone else. Let's say you have somebody who is missing a limb and he knocks off someone else's limb. Let's say you have an invalid and he causes someone else to become an invalid. So how can I fulfill in such a person replacing an eye for an eye? He can't take out this guy's eye. He doesn't have an eye to take out. So the Torah says that you have to have one law for everyone. This means that it has to be uniform. So it must be that just like this person would pay value, so everyone is going to pay value. Amri, we say like this, Umay Kusha, that's not a good proof, what's your question? Maybe in a case where we can knock out the eye, we do. Maybe in a case like this, where you can't knock out his eye, or knock off his arm, so then we don't, and, and he will be patri, he'll be exempt. And I'll prove to you that this is correct, that if you can't do it, you don't do it. Because we find in a case where let's say someone has a hole in his lung, he's going to die, he's on his way out, and he kills someone. What do we do? If he's found to be guilty, we don't kill him. Right? And Rashi explains that the reason that we don't kill him 
is because the witnesses, if they would come along and they would say that this person killed. So those two witnesses, they could never be muzam. They couldn't be contradicted to their person and thereby receive the punishment that they attempted because they'll say, well, we tried to kill a person who was already dead. So therefore, they'll never be killed. So just like the Edom Zomimim, the witnesses who theoretically one day could be contradicted, so they can't testify because they can't be contradicted. So this person can never be killed. He can never be found to be guilty. So what comes out of it is that where it's possible to fulfill this verse, it could be that we would fulfill it. If he knocked out his eye, we'll knock out his eye. But where it's impossible because he's blind already, so we can't fulfill this verse and therefore he would be exempt. So there's no proof that you pay value. The baby Tana. In their yeshiva of Rabbi Shmuel, they had the following grace. Amar Kra, the verse says, Kaini nasim boy. That just as he gave a blemish to his friend, so too shall be given to him. What's the word given? From the fact that it uses this word giving, you give him a blemish, giving always indicates some kind of value. So it's clear that it's not talking about you actually give him a blemish, but rather you, you give him a requirement to pay the value. Sigmar says, hold on a second. If that's the case, Kashir yitain mumba adam, the first part of the verse says, just as he gave a blemish to his friend, so that's what you give to him. So according to you, so that should also mean a blemish of, of monetary value, not a literal blemish. Is that what it means? No, it means literally he gave him some kind of physical blemish. So maybe it means that he also has to receive back a physical blemish. How can you prove that it means that he's going to receive back a monetary fine or monetary requirement to pay? So we say like this, the yeshiva Bishmal, so they're learning it out from an extra verse. It's not just simply from the word nesina, giving, which means value, but there's something extra here, and that's what we're from. Let's, let's think about this. The verse says, When a person gives a blemish to his fellow, that's one verse that says, Just as he's done, so shall be done to him. Why does it need to say a second time this verse that we were quoting, which was that it shall be done to him similarly, that it shall be given to him similarly? Why does it have to say it a second time? So, from the fact that you have an extra verse, that's how we deduce moment that the actual value here is what has to be paid, and we don't create a blemish in him like he caused the other person. If that's the case, then why does the first part say we have a second time where it says that you're causing, you're giving a blemish? Why does it have to repeat that as well? So, our answer is simply, I did the boy of since we want to say a second time that it has to be given to him thus teaching us that we're talking about a monetary value so in order to say that you have to give him a blemish for what he caused so you have to say that he caused some kind of blemish to the other person so that's why we repeat that statement a second time that he caused the blemish but there's nothing to actually be learned out from that extra statement it's just a pretext to give you the second statement that says that he has to pay that he gets what, he's, what he gave in order to teach you that you have to give monetary value and the Yeshiva of Bichia, so they had the following price. Amakra, the verse says, Yad biyad. In regards to Edim Zamamim, you have two witnesses who come along and say that Ruvain knocked off the hand of Shimon. So now these two witnesses, they're found to be Edim Zamamim, their person is contradicted. Another set of witnesses comes along and says that they couldn't have been there for that story. So what happens? So the verse says, you replace a hand for a hand. Since they were trying to cause Ruvain, they were accusing him of having knocked off someone else's hand, they were trying to cause him to lose his hand. So the Edim Zamamim, in, these false witnesses, they lose their hand. What does that mean? Does it mean literally? No. So here the drasha is that from the fact that it uses these words, yad biyad, a hand for hand, it's referring to something that goes from one hand to another. What's that? Maman. It means monetary value. So Gemara says, wait a second. If that's the case, regal beregal nami hachihu. So we should say some kind of drasha, a similar type of explanation for regal beregal, that it says that you replace a foot for a foot. 
so to speak. What goes from one foot to another? A soccer ball? I mean, what, what's, what's going on here? So the Gemara says, Amri, like this, we say like this, Actually, the Yeshiva Rebichia was learning it out from an extra verse. Michti, let's think about this. See if the verse says, The verse already tells us that in regards to Adam Zomimim, these witnesses who per, whose person is contradicted, that we do to them as they attempted to do to their friend. If it means that literally that you knock off their hand if they try to get his hand knocked off, so then why does the verse have to say again, Yad bi Yad, you knock off a hand for a hand? It's an extra verse. Shmami, no, what's it coming to teach you? Moment. That all that we do here is we make him pay the monetary value that he attempted to cause the other person to lose. So the Gemara says, hold on, we still have a question. Regal regal, Amali. Why does it say in the verse, foot for a foot? That's also extra. What do we learn out from there? The Gemara says, I did nami regal regal. That there's nothing to learn out from that verse. Once we already had said the concept of a hand for a hand, so along with that, so the verse is already speaking a hand for a hand, so we also talk about a foot for a foot and whatever other things that have to be replaced. If you attempted to cause him to, to lose this thing, so you also lose that thing, but in its monetary value. Abaye, Omar Abaye says, Asi me detani de bechizia. He learns it out from the following brayse of bechizia. The detani de bechizia, they learned in the yeshiva of chizia. Ayin tachaz ayin. The verse says an eye for an eye, nefesh tachaz nefesh. And it says a soul for a soul. Vilay nefesh va'ayin tachaz ayin. The verse doesn't say a soul and an eye in the place of an eye. So what does this teach And if you think that it means that we literally knock out his eye if he knocked at someone else's eye, there will be times where we could come across a case, that we knock out his eye and his soul goes out as well. That when we make him blind, his soul goes out. So therefore, it can't mean that we literally knock out his eye because it could cause him to die. We can't give him a greater punishment than, than, than what he caused to someone else. Hold on a second. What is your, what's your proof from that? Maybe what we do is we evaluate if he has the ability to withstand this type of punishment where you knock out his eye, then we do it. And if he can't withstand such a thing, then we don't do it. And if, let's say, we evaluate that this person can withstand it, and we do it, and then he dies, if he dies, that's too bad on him. Because we find on a mission, it says, Gabi Malkus, in regards to lashes, let's say they evaluated that he can withstand a certain amount of lashes, and they gave him that amount of lashes, and he died under the, under the hand of this person who was giving the lashes, but there, there's no obligation. So it's not such a strong proof from this verse that Avai was bringing in the name of the yeshiva of Chizkiah. Razvid Mishmei the Rava Omar. Razvid says in the name of Rava Omar. Kra, the verse says that you have a blemish. You have to replace for a blemish. What does this teach you? It's an extra verse. This teaches us that even once one is compensating for the damages, you also have to compensate for the pain. And if when we say that you have to compensate for the damages, it means literally you have to have your eye knocked out if you knocked out his eye. How can you talk about a separate compensation for pain? Just like when one person knocks out his eye, so he has pain. So when if we knock out your eye literally, so you'll also have pain. So that should replace the pain that you caused. Why would there be an obligation separately to compensate for the pain? My question says, hold on a second. What's your question? What's your proof? Dilma, perhaps. There are some people who are more sensitive and they have greater pain. So there are some people who aren't as sensitive and they don't have as much pain. What's going to be the difference? That the person who caused the damage, if let's say he has less pain than the person who got damaged, so he's going to have to give him the difference. Even though he received damage, true, and he received pain, so he's going to have to pay him the difference between the, the amount of pain that he has and the amount of pain that the other person has.
So it's no proof. Rabbi Mishmei the Rabbi Amar, Rabbi says the name of Rabbi, a different possibility. Amar Krakizavur says, that you shall surely help him out in the doctor bills. This teaches you that besides for the compensation for the damages, there's also a compensation for the doctor bills. And if it means that we literally knock out this guy's eye if he knocked out the other guy's eye, just like the person who got damaged, he requires the doctor. So the person who got the, who caused the damage, we're knocking out his eye, he also requires doctors. So why would there be an obligation for him to pay a separate fee, a separate Compensation for the person's doctor bills. The says, "My my kusha. What's the proof? What's the question?" Maybe there are some people who heal faster. And there are some people who don't heal as fast. And therefore, what's going to be the difference? That if let's say the person who got damaged, so it takes him longer to heal, and he needs more doctors. So the person who caused the damage, even though he heals quickly, so perhaps you would have to pay him the difference between the amount of money that he had to pay for his doctor bills and the amount of money that the other guy had to pay for his doctor bills. So it's no proof. Ravashi. Ravashi says, Asya tachas, tachas, we learn out from Xavier Show we find the word Tachas over here, and we find the word Tachas in regards to uh, damage to an ox. Ksivach, the verse says over here, Ayan Tachas Ayan, an eye for an eye. Ksivach says over there, Shalim, Shalim, Shur Tachas Ashur, that you have to pay one ox for another. And just like over there in regards to the ox, we're talking about monetary value, you're not giving him another ox, but you're giving him value. Avkan Maman, so over here, all you have to do is pay him value. So Mar says, My Chazit, the office Tachas Tachas Mishur, why do you think that it's appropriate to learn out this Xavier Shava of Tachas? Tachas, tachas, to learn from the same word that we learn from an ox. Tachas, tachas, Why don't we learn from tachas, tachas, from a person? The verse says, nefesh, tachas, nefesh, that you give a, a, a soul for a soul. It's just like over there in regards to someone killing, we literally kill the person who caused the death. So over here also, we literally take away your eye. So we say, we can learn out from an ox because that's a case of damages and this is a case of damages. And we don't learn out damages from death because in regards to the the person who's getting killed because he killed someone else, that's death. That's a much higher level and that's different. Adar Abzimar says, hold on a second. Actually, it should be the opposite. We should learn out one person from a person. If we have a choice, we wouldn't learn out a man from an animal. Actually, we learn it out from a different place where we see that there are damages in regards to a man who rapes a woman who is not married. So the halach is the verse says that it has to pay her for the damages that she would have lost, or pay the father actually for the damages that she would have lost. She would have gotten married now, she would have gotten a certain amount of money as her dowry. Now she can't get that value, so the person, the rapist, has to pay her. So it uses the word tachas over there, which means in place of. So we see over there, there's monetary value that's being paid. So over here, the value that we're talking about is a monetary value, and we don't literally knock out his eye. And it's wonderful because we're learning at one person from another person, we're talking about damage from another case of damage, and therefore it works out very nicely. It's a good place to learn from. Tanya, we have a Bryser. Blazer, Amir Blazer says, Ayin tachas ayin. When it says in the verse an eye for an eye, Mamash means literally an eye for an eye. The Gemara says, Hold on. Magamish, can, can it be that he holds that we literally knock out your eye? Blazer, Leslie, Kichol, Hani, Tanoi. He doesn't hold like every other Tana who says that it doesn't mean literally. Amar Rabbi Rabbi says, It doesn't mean that you literally knock out his eye, but actually what it's coming to teach you is that we don't do it like everyone else says, which is that we evaluate how much the person was worth when he had an eye, if he would be sold as a slave, and we evaluate how much he's worth now that he's lost his eye if he would be sold as a slave. That's not how we do it. So then, how do we evaluate him? Like a free person, does a person who's free have any value? You can't give value to a person. We don't evaluate the value of the person who got damaged, rather we evaluate the person who caused damage. 
And Rashi explains what this means is, we evaluate how much this person who caused the damage, how much he would be worth with his eye, how much he'd be worth without his eye as a slave. So when Rabbi Lezer says that we do it literally, it means that we literally have to replace the person who caused the damage, as so to speak, we have to take away his eye. But it means we take away the value of his eye, not the value of the person who got damaged. There was a certain donkey, the kata yada de yunuka, that chopped off the hand of a child. So the owner of the animal came in front of Rabbi Bar Shmuel along with the father of the child. So Rabbi Bar Shmuel says to them, Go evaluate the four, the four items that are owed, the four types of damages. Rabbi says to them, He says in the mission, You have to pay five different types of damages. And at this point, so it seems that the rabbis who were talking about this whole case over here didn't realize that the child had been damaged by an animal, but rather they thought that it was damage that was caused by a person. So Rabbi here is asking, So why did you say only four things that are, there's an obligation to pay? There are five things. He said, when I, when I said the four things, I meant the four things besides for Nezek. The damages themselves are something that you always pay. Says, that what was the case? The case was where the, this kid was damaged by a donkey, not by a person. So all a donkey has to pay is just the damages, not the other four things. So he responded and said, Go and evaluate the damages, and that's it. Says, he has to evaluate him based on what his value would be as a slave. So he responded and said, Then indeed, go, go evaluate him as a slave, and that's how much you have to pay him. So the father of this child said, I'm not interested in this money, because it's such a small amount, it's an embarrassment for me to receive that kind of money. So they said to the father, This isn't money that's owed to you, it's money that's owed to your child. Let, let him have his money. So he said to them, Listen, I'm not willing to accept this money. I'm not willing to accept this money on behalf of my child. When my child gets older, so I'll placate him. You don't have to worry about my kid. Ahu Torah, there was a certain case with an ox, the Alas Yadid Yunuka, that he chewed up the hand of a child. Also the Kamid Rava, so they came in front of Rava to judge this case. Amar Luhu, and he said to them, Zilu Shaimuhu ki Avda, go and evaluate his value as a slave before and after. Amrulay, so they said to him, Vahamarhu da Amar, was it not you, sir, who said, Kalanishang Evid, any case where you have to evaluate a person as a slave in Governor, you can't collect that money in Babylonia. That in Babylonia, even though they were great sages, but they weren't as great as the sages in Israel, only the people that were the sages in Israel had the right to collect this type of case. Amar Lahu, so he responded and said to them, No, I do need the, this type of evaluation, and I'll tell you why, not because I'm going to collect it, the itafas, that if the person who got damaged, he goes and he grabs something of value from the person who caused the damage, so the halacha is, the law is, that whatever he's grabbed, he has the right to keep, and I need to know exactly how much he has a right to keep, and therefore that's why I'm telling you to evaluate how much the value is. Rav this is Rav according to his own reasoning, the Amar Rav, Rav says, If you have the damages that were done to an ox by an ox, or the damages on an ox by a person, that's something that we can collect in Babylonia. However, if you have damages that were caused to a person by a person, or damages caused to a person by an ox, so that's something that we cannot collect in Babylonia. Now the question says, What is the difference in the case where a person is getting damaged, either by another person or by an ox? Why don't we collect that? Because the verse says the word Elohim, which in this context is talking about a court. And so we don't have a proper court outside of Israel. 
So if that's the case, then it's Geshur B'Shur B'Shur Adam. also in regards to an ox getting damaged, either by another ox or by a person, Nami, there too it says, we turn to Pidala on the base, page 84b, Elohim Ba'inon. It says that you have to have a court, Vileka, and that's missing. So what's the difference? Elamashna Shur B'Shur B'Shur Adam. What's the difference in the case where you have an ox getting damaged either by a person or by another ox? Because there we say that we're considered the messengers, meaning we the courts outside of Israel, are considered the messengers of the courts inside of Israel. Just like we find in regards to where someone admits to, let's say, owing money or a person who's lending money. So there we're considered their messengers. So if that's the case, so why can't we say the same thing in regards to damages that were caused to a person, either by another person or by an ox? There too we should say that we're considered messengers. The courts outside of Israel are considered messengers of the courts in Israel. Just like in a case where we're considered messengers by admissions and a case of lending. Amri, so we say like this, when is it considered that we're their messengers? With something which is a simple, clear-cut, straightforward amount of money. But something that does require an evaluation, it's not so simple, we don't know it's so clear-cut. So they were not going to be considered their messengers. So now the Gemara says, hold on a second, what is going on? What, in a case where, where you have a person getting damaged, so that requires an evaluation because you have to evaluate him as a slave. But in regards to an ox getting damaged, you don't have to make any kind of evaluation. Amri. So we say like this, sure, but sure, but sure, but Adam. In a case where an ox is getting damaged either by an ox or by a person, we also don't know. It's not so straightforward. We also have to create some kind of evaluation. We have to go out and see how much a, an ox is being sold for in the marketplace, how much it's worth before and after. In regards to a person getting damaged either by a person or by an ox, also, how much a person is worth if he's being sold as a slave in the marketplace. So it's not, it's also, both of them are not straightforward. They both require evaluation. Additionally, let's say we're talking about in regards to someone who stole, he has to pay double, or someone who's slaughtered it and sold it, so he has to pay four or five times. The kitsi, that's a set amount of money. So there, according to what we're saying, we should also be considered their messengers. And we know from before that it's not true. We can't be their messengers in such a case. So we say like this, when are we considered their messengers, the courts outside of Israel? When are they considered the messengers of the courts inside of Israel? In regards to something which is monetary, but if it's just a fine so there we don't have the right to be their messengers so Mar says hold on what about the case where a person is getting damaged by another person so that's considered something which is value it's not a knas it's not a fine so we should be able to be their messengers Mar says no when are we considered their messengers when we're talking about something which is common one person causing damage to another person that's not so common so there we're not going to be considered their messengers Gemara says, wait, Hari what about a case where someone's getting embarrassed or someone is causing a family blemish to someone else? That's something that's common. So in such a case, we should be able to accomplish the mission that was given to us, the people, the, the courts outside of Israel, by the people of the courts inside of Israel. So we say like this, that maybe it could be that it is true. In fact, we would do their mission in that case. The Papa. Because Rapapa, what did he do? He indeed collected 400 Zuzim for the embarrassment that was caused by one person to another. Wait, that's not true. Rapapa, even though he did that, but it was incorrect. Because Rav Chiz sent this story where Rapapa collected it to Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman heard about the story. And Rav Nachman sent back, he said to him, how could you do it? How could you possibly have collected a fine in Babylonia? You're not supposed to do that. 
when is it that the sages or the courts outside of Israel do the mission of the courts inside of Israel? So it has to be something which is common. It has to be something which is a loss of money. But if it's something that's common, but it does not involve a loss of money. For instance, this case of Boshes where someone's embarrassed. So yeah, there's embarrassment, but he didn't lose money. Or if we're talking about something which is uncommon, even if it does have a loss of money, so in that case, we're not going to be considered the messengers, the, the courts outside of Israel, not the messengers of the courts inside of Israel. Therefore, when a person is getting damaged by a person, even though it involves a loss of money, since it's not something that's common, so the courts outside of Israel are not going to do the mission of the courts inside of Israel. Also, in the case where someone got embarrassed, even though something that's common, it doesn't involve a loss of money, there too, we're not going to be considered their messengers, the courts outside of Israel, are not going to do the mission of the courts inside of Israel. Vishor, Vishor, Gavin, Bebavil, is it true that if we're talking about an ox that's causing damage to another ox, that's something that we will collect in Babylonia? We find that Rav says elsewhere, Shor Shehizik, ain't Gavin, I that if an ox causes damage, we do not collect that in Babylonia. The Azigman. Now, what's Rav talking about? Who did this ox cause damage to? Even with the Azig Adam, if you're talking about a case where it caused damage to a person, might you sure? What do you even have to talk about an ox, the Azig Adam, that caused damage to a person? Afidu Adam, the Azig Adam, Nami ain't Gavin, I say. Even if a person caused damage to another person, we won't collect that money in Babylonia either. El Apshita, so it's obvious, the Azig Shor. They were talking about an ox goring another ox. What does it say? Here, Rav is saying that you do not collect that in Babylonia. Amri, so we say like this. When does he say that you do collect it? You do collect it. We're talking about a muad, an animal that's gored three times. But we're talking about a time animal that has not gored three times, so then you will not collect that money. Tomorrow says, hold on. Rav says, Ain You can't have a case of a mood in Babylonia. How can we say that? Amri, so we say like this. The Ayid Hasam. It became a mood. It gored three times in Israel. And then they brought it to Israel. And now, we want to know if we can collect money from this animal now that it's goring. We do. But if it was a tam, if it had not gored three times, we don't. Wait, the Gemara says, This is a very uncommon case where it became muad. It gored three times in Israel and it came out to, to Babylonia. It's very strange. It's an uncommon case. We said that we don't do their mission. The the courts of Israel have not appointed us to do that. The courts outside of Israel. So the Gemara said, We could say that the cases where the sages of Israel came to outside of Israel, they were around when this animal gored three times and they were the ones who made it the, the animal should be muad. So the Gemara says, It's still something that, which is uncommon. It's strange. And we're still not going to be able to do this unusual thing. This is a very unusual case where the sages of Israel came outside of Israel. So the answer is like this. When is Rav saying that we will collect it? He's talking about a case where the animal caused damage either with its teeth by eating or by trampling with its feet. That's considered something which is muad, which it's common already for it to do from the beginning without it doing it three times before. But in a case where the animal is goring, so that's something that we can't evaluate, we can't collect money for when we're talking about the courts outside of Israel. The Gemara continues quoting the Mishnah Tsar. There is a damage that a person has to pay in regards to pain. We have a case where a person uh, caused damage to somebody and it went on his nail. So that's a place where you don't see a blemish, but nevertheless it causes pain. So the indication from the Mishnah is you could have pain, a payment for pain, even without an actual blemish being caused. So the indication from the Mishnah is that if you have pain without an actual damage, you have to pay for that. Mantana. So who is the one who says this in our Mishnah? Marava. 
So Rav says Ben Azahi. It's Ben Azahi. The Tanya of Abraham. So Rabbi Amir Kviya number Tchila. Rabbi says that the first type of damage that we talk about is a Kviya, which seems to indicate a damage without a blemish. Ben Azahi Amir Chabur Amir Tchila. Ben Azahi says no. The first thing that we talk about is a damage with a blemish. But my Kamevligi, what is the argument here? Rabbi Sava. Rabbi holds like this. Kviya. When the verse says Kviya, which would seem to indicate a damage without a blemish, Dles Bachabur Mashma. It means a damage without a blemish. Cause of Rachman Chabura. So why does the verse say Chabura? Afterwards, it talks about a blemish. It's coming to reveal the kviya, the isba chabura in. That even though the word kviya could indicate something that has a blemish and something that does not have a blemish and perhaps just pain, nevertheless, that's why the Torah says chabura to tell you that no, it's only talking about a case that also involves a blemish. In such a case, there will be an obligation to pay. But if there's only pain, you will not have an obligation to pay. Uben Benazi holds kviya, the isba chabura mashma. That normally when it says kviya, so it means something that also involves a blemish. Cost of Rahman chabura. So why does it say a case of a chabura which is talking about a blemish, it seems to be the same thing. It's coming to reveal that when we talk about kviya, it's actually talking about a case that does not involve a blemish. So according to Menaze, so you'll have an obligation to pay for pain alone, even without a blemish. So Rapapa asks the following question. Exactly the opposite. We could say the exact opposite would make sense. Then when Rebbe says that it says kviya first, he holds kviya that what the indication is, it was, we're talking about a, a pain or damage that involves some kind of blemish. Mashma, that's what the indication is. And then when the verse says that there's a blemish, it's coming to reveal about it, that we're talking about a case which involves a damage without a blemish. And we could just as easily say that when Ben Azi says that we have the word chabura, the cause of the chabura is what we were talking about first, he holds that when it says the word kviya, it's not indicating anything that has to do with a blemish. And then when the Torah says Chabura, it's coming to reveal about the original one, the Kviya is Chabura in. That what we really mean when we talk about Kviya is the type of Kviya, the type of damage that does involve a blemish. Only that case is there an obligation to pay. But if there would be just pain without a blemish, there wouldn't be an obligation to pay. And when we talk about, when each of them says, this is what we're talking about, the first thing that was talked about, it means based on how we come out understanding at the end, it becomes clear what the original intention was. That's what they mean by their first thing that was stated. Inami. Another possibility is the Kuliam, everyone agrees, the Kviya, Bein de Isbachabura, Bein de Lesbachabura Mashma. That when we have, when the verse says Kviya, which means a damage, it could be indicating a damage with a blemish or without a blemish. Vehacha, Bichlalu Prat, Hamaruchakin Zemizakamifligi. And it could be that the argument between Ben Aze and Rebbe has to do with a different idea. When you have a Klalu Prat, a general rule, and then you have something which tells you something specific about that. And they're far away from each other. How do we learn them out? As follows. Could be that this is the argument. Rebbe Sava, Rebbe holds, ain't done in Prat. That we cannot, if they're far away from each other, we do not learn them out from a general rule concept and a specific rule concept. Meaning, if you have the Torah saying a law and it applies in a general way to more things, then the Torah specifies that it only applies to a more specific thing. So then what we say is that all it applies to is only the specific thing. Now, Rebbe says, when do we say that only in regards to a case where the klaluprat, the general concept and the specific concept are in proximity to each other in the Torah, but where they're far away from each other, then we wouldn't say that, as is true in this case. Because in this case, you have the word kviya. Kviya is a more general kind of concept where you have something that includes just pain, or you also have a case that includes a blemish along with pain. Now you have the word chabura, which specifies that it's only a case that involves a blemish as well. So that's not right next to the word 
kviya because of the word petza, which is in between the two. So now, since they're far away from each other, can we create a klal uprat? Can we say that there's a general concept here saying that it applies to more cases than the word chabura is a more specific case? So Rebbe holds you can't do that. And therefore, when it says the general rule, that specific case doesn't apply to the general rule. And therefore, we say that the general rule is true. And therefore, Rebbe would hold that whether we're talking about a case where there was a blemish along with pain or whether there's pain alone, there would be an obligation to pay in any event. Ben Aziz, sir, Ben Aziz says, Don't and I see that even though they're not right next to each other, we can say that there's a general concept, which is kviya, and then when we specify and we say the word chabur, even though it's not right next to each other, nevertheless it's coming to say that only this type of kviya, only the type of damage that involves a blemish as well, only there is there going to be an obligation, not if there's only pain. And if you want to say, so why according to Rebbe do we need to say the word chabura at all? Because once we find that you have the word kviya, it's a general concept and it includes a case where there's a blemish, so you don't need, if we're not specifying only a blemish, so the, the word chabura, which implies only blemish, is irrelevant. So the Gemara says, Adam Yim and this explains that what it's coming to say is if you have a case where there's pain and there's also a mark, even though the mark did not create more pain, since there's a mark and now the person is going to be embarrassed by that mark, so you have to pay for that extra value, that extra amount that the person is embarrassed because of the mark that was caused by this pain that you created.